Already know what it is. It's your coach that knows who's the most, and we talking hoops with Coach Man, episode nine. Put it all on the line. Back with another episode. Back talking hoops, man. This week we're gonna talk about Coach K retiring and what that says about Duke and who's next up. We're gonna talk about the top 25 college basketball coaches under the age of 50, cause that's who's next up. Not these old coaches. It's the guys that's under 50 that's gonna take over for college basketball. We're gonna talk about the Danny Ainge uh, resigning. And Brad Stevens getting pushed up the ladder a little bit, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about who's the next coach in Boston. We got some high school and college headlines. And then we're going to talk the NBA playoffs. There's a couple things about the playoffs that are pretty interesting. And we're going to talk about how Devin Booker just beat the brakes off the Lakers. But it's your coach that knows who's the most, man. And we're going to start this episode talking about Coach K retiring. And... Even though he's going to coach for the next, you know, 12 months, this next year, he gets a whole farewell tour like uh, Dwayne Wade did. I mean, he easily could just kick his feet up this year. I don't know why he's still going on. And, you know, for a whole nother year, we got to talk about Coach K and his legacy and all of that. When he could easily just retire now. Like, why we got to wait a year? Why you got to coach a year? Let the young man go now. Uh, pull, pull the rings off and, and give John Shire his due now. Uh, I don't know why we would have a press conference to talk about your successor in a year. You might as well just do it now. That's just me. That's just what I think. Because Coach K is 74 years old. Like, at that age, I mean, me personally, I think you should be kicking your feet up somewhere, spending some time with your grandkids. You shouldn't be reading scouting reports and going to an AAU event to watch the next best Jason Tatum. Like, you should have your feet up somewhere on the beach with a, you know, Nice little ginger ale because you're 74 or whatever. Um, you shouldn't have to coach one of the top teams in America, especially after making $8 million a year. So, you know, why not just do it now? I don't know why you got to wait um, at the end of the season to let the young man, John Shire, take over. But John Shire will be his successor. He was a, he's been an assistant coach there for five or six years. But the thing about uh, the Shire hire is it makes sense. You know, big programs like that, big programs like Duke and Kentucky and the Blue Buds, they don't want a national search. And if they do have a national search, they're going to get the be- the biggest, best names around if you don't have qualified people within your organization. Duke, they have somebody qualified. John Shire qualifies. He was in the room when they recruited Jason Tatum. I was watching Jeff Capel, who's the head coach at Pittsburgh now, talk about a story about them all being in the living room and the three coaches he named was Coach K was doing his thing. I was in the room and John Shire. So he had the opportunity to be on those big time recruiting uh, meetings and recruiting visits. You know, guys like, you know, Jason Tatum and Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson, like he had a chance to be, you know, to hear Coach K's pitch to learn from him and, and to pick up those type of things of how you can get these top-level players because everybody can't get them. Coach K could get them. Now, here's the thing. It is the fact that now Coach K is going to be gone after a year. Is that going to hurt their recruiting? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to hurt their recruiting because at the end of the day, Duke is Duke. They still got the swoosh behind them. They still got money behind them. They still getting high-level players. I mean, Jalen Johnson is still going to be a first-round draft pick. So, Duke is Duke. 
There's, that's not going to change. Like, Duke is not going to change into a different type of program just because John Cyrus is a coach. Now, when you replace somebody as big as Coach K, those are really big shoes to fill. Those are really big shoes to fill. So I hope you're ready for that weight. I hope you're ready for that. That uh, I hope you're ready for that because that's going to be a tough job. That's going to be a tough job. But why not somebody within the family, somebody that played for Duke, and he didn't just play for Duke. He was a great player at Duke. He scored 2,000 points at Duke. He's ranked eighth all time in steals at Duke. He scored 2,077 points at Duke. So if you, if you want to be a player at Duke, I'm sure he knows what it takes. I'm sure he knows what it takes to play for a coach like Coach K. I'm sure he knows because he scored 2,000 points. So this generation of players want to learn from players. I'm just going to be honest with you. This generation of players learns better from players, not from guys that's been sitting in a seat for however many are, five years, 10 years, 20 years. We want to learn from the people that can actually do it. And Shire can say, hey. I, was, I wore that jersey for four years. I was all-conference for two. I was an ACC tournament player of the tournament twice. Like, I know what you're going through. I can sit in your seat. I can tell you what I did, and I can give you the tools to make you better, to do better than me. So you can go to the NBA, and, you know, even though he played overseas, and I think he had a small stint NBA, but he knows what it takes because he was a good player. And he helped out in their recruiting. So Duke is still going to be Duke. And that hire makes sense. Now, you don't have to worry about, you know, courting the NBA coach or courting um, the next, the hot name in college basketball. You already got your coach. Coach K can retire, go off in the sunset. And that's that. So with that being said, talking about Coach K, and even before I go to my next topic, I meant to say this at the beginning of the pod. Thanks for tuning back in. Uh, my loyal listeners, I appreciate you. But let's be clear here. I want you to understand that this podcast isn't just me turning the microphone on. Even though it sounds like it, it sounds easy. It sounds like, okay, Coach Cam is just recording. Like, we're having a conversation. That's how it should sound. When you, when you, the good podcasts, the ones that I listen to, it sounds like a, just a conversation and that person is in the room. So I try to make it seem that way, that you're just in the room with me talking hoops. That's why I, I try to make it seem but trust and believe, I do my research. Trust and believe, I take notes. Trust and believe, I listen to every episode one, two, three times. Try to make myself better. This isn't just a Coach Cam turns the microphone and he records himself talking about basketball. It's more than that. I'm talking about branding now. I'm trying to get some merchandise. I'm going to turn this thing up. I don't care if but one person buy the shirt. I'm going to buy the shirt. But I'm going to have the opportunity to get it. But in order to do stuff like that, you got to have a fan base and you got to be good at what you do. I'm getting so good at this now that it's a whole lot easier. I don't have to, I, I don't want to call myself one take hove, but I mean, I don't do a whole lot of editing. I ain't got to because now I know how to go in between topics. I know how to transition and that kind of stuff. So just understand this ain't just Coach Cam turning the mic on. This is an actual operation, even though. Uh, I record it by myself, I mix it myself, I put it out, I do everything myself, there still is some work involved with this. So I just want you listeners to understand that, you know, it might seem seamless, it might seem easy, it's not easy, I'm telling you it's not easy, it's a lot of work to do, um, that's why I don't do them back to back, and you, it might be seven days, eight days, nine days, whatever, I take my time, but I also do my research. And the research has showed me that old coaches like Coach K, that are 74 years old, he ain't the only one. Coach K is not the only coach that's in their mid-60s 
early 70s, coaching college basketball at a high level. I'm gonna name, just name a couple, couple coaches for you. Coach Cal, he's 66, right? Jay Wright, he's 59, he, he's 60. Rick Barnes, 66. Roy Williams just retired at 71. Izzo is 66. Man, I need to play 66 in the lotto. 606-660, that might be a nice number. Bruce Pearl, Bruce Pearl is 61. But why are these names familiar? These are the top 10 coaches in college basketball right now, as, as far as salary is concerned. So I, I went through a little deep dive, and I'm like, okay, if he's 74, what other coaches within the next five or 10 years will probably be retiring like him? And I started looking up these guys, and I'm like, man, there are going to be a lot of coaches that are going to be retiring within the next five or 10 years. So who are the who are the coaches that's going to replace these guys? Who's not? I'm not talking about Coach K's replacement. Who's going to replace Jay Wright? Say Jay Wright in five years want to give it up in his mid sixties. That it might be something I want to do. Like if I'm in my mid sixties, I want to enjoy whatever I did for the last thirty years. I want to enjoy that. If if I got grandkids, if I got enough money to tour the world and just kick my feet up and not work for nobody and just chill, I'm gonna do that. Hopefully, if if, if the plan is correct. You know, so I got 25 years. I got 20 to 25 years to get that done. If it happens before then, hopefully I'm going to do it. I'm just saying that's just going to be. I'm not going to be coaching college basketball at 70, even though I make five, six million dollars. Can't do it. Sorry. I want to enjoy what I worked so hard for over the last 30 years. But I wanted to know who was next up. So I came up with a list. I came up with a list of 25 coaches. These 25 coaches are under the age of 50. So they're just 10 years older than me. My brother's 50. So they're just 10 years older than me. But not only are they 10, older, 10 years older than me, um, these are some of the hottest names in college basketball. So I, I put together a list of 25 coaches that are under the age of 50. And these are the guys that's going to replace uh, the Roy Williams, even though he got his replacement. But I'm just saying, those coaches that are in their mid-60s mid to, to early-70s, they're going to be retiring five years, and these guys are going to be in their early-50s. These are going to be the guys that replaced them. So, uh, Matt Painter at Purdue. So, I did it in tiers. I did tier one, tier two, tier three. My tier one guys are no-brainers. These are the guys, high major, uh, hot names. Like, these are the guys that are in their 40s that in the next 10, 15 years, we talking about Hall of Fame-ish type of coaches. So we'll start with Matt Painter at Purdue. He's 50. Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams is at Virginia Tech. He's 48. And not only is he 48, he's making $3.9 million per year. That's a nice little, that's a nice little change. It's a nice little piece of change. And I'm going to talk about the correlation to the, the elite college basketball coaches and why they're not going to the NBA. But we'll talk about that in a second. Fred Horborg. Uh, Nebraska, he's 48. Mick Cronin, UCLA, just made a run in the deep, deep in the tournament. He's 49. Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt, he's 46. Um, Chris Beard, Chris Beard at Texas, he's 48. And Chris Beard, while we're talking about Chris Beard, he makes $4.9 million per year at Texas. Conzo Martin at Missouri, he's 49. Jawan Howard, Michigan, 48. Penny Hardaway, Memphis, 49. Shaka Smart, Marquette, 44. Uh, Scott Drew, Baylor, 50, and Nate Oates, Alabama, 46. So these are coaches where if you're looking for a big-time head coach, 
that still can go be somewhere for 10, 15 years, these are those guys. Because if you're 45 to 50, you can literally be somewhere for the next 10 years and be 55 to 60 years old and still be considered top of your game. So my next tier are guys that, you know, they might be mid-40s, they might be a little closer to 50, uh, but they're still head coaches and they still consider young in the business. Bobby Hurley, Arizona State, he's 49. Dennis Gates at Cleveland State, he's 41, uh, was just Horizon League Coach of the Year. He's got a chance to take that next leap. And let me say this, there are some coaches that I might have missed. I might have missed over some coaches that might fit the criteria. But hey, I don't have all the time in the world to look up all the coaches and their ages, but these are a few. Uh, you got Rob Cinderoff at Kent State, he's 47. Chris Mack at Louisville, he's 51. Lavelle Moten. Lavelle Moten's at North Carolina Central. He's 46. We got to get him out of the HBCUs because he's a very good coach. I've talked about him before on this podcast. I think he needs to take the next step, and the next step for him is not in the HBCU to take that next leap. Uh, Jeff Capel, he's at Pittsburgh. He's 46. Dan Hurley, uh, UConn, he's 48. And Travis Steele. Travis Steele is not even 40. He's 39, and he's a head coach at Xavier. So that group could be replacing the group that replaces the big-time coaches because that's how it happens. That's how you create a carousel. That's how you create, you know, that's how some of these same coaches get the same jobs. You'd be like, man, like, why is it the same coaches get the same jobs? Because, look, I just read off 20 names or 18 names, and not none of them are 50 years old. They're all in their 40s. I'm in my 40s. I'm 40, but... I can be considered in my 40s. Uh, I got a long way to go to get close to 50, but you get what I'm saying. And my, my last tier, are these are our younger guys. These are guys that might be in their 30s. They might be in their first year in coaching, uh, but they're still under the age of 50. So you got Lavelle Jordan that's at Butler. He's 42. Wes Miller that's at Cincinnati. He's 38. Had a really nice run with North Carolina Greensboro. Getting to the tournament every year. Now he's at Cincinnati. See if he can take the next step. Uh, Michael White, that's at Florida. I probably could have put him in one of the other groups, but it's a name nobody really talks about. But, I mean, he's been at Florida the last five years. He's never had a losing season. Where, wherever he's been, he's never had a losing season. And he's at Florida. And he makes a tournament every year. So, that I mean, he, he should be on the list. He should be on the list. Uh, Kim Inglis, that's at uh, George Mason. He's 32, but he's a first-time head coach. So, he could be 35 and be three years in at George Mason. He could be 42 and could be 10 years in. That type of experience will speak for itself. Hopefully, he can get it done there. And then last on the list, not really last, but the youngest coach in the country is Drew Valentine. He's at Loyola, and he's 30 years old. So these are the type of coaches, when you, when you look at replacing some of these older coaches, they're going to be replaced by some of these guys. These guys, not even 50. Like I said, the, the oldest one was 51. And that was Chris Mack at Louisville. But these are the coaches that are next. These, they're next up. And it's time for some of these older coaches to move out the way. Like, like Ludacris, man, move. Get out the way. Get out the way. Get out the way. Just, just, just really go chill out somewhere, man. Give somebody an opportunity to move up the ladder because when the older coaches retire and they move on and they pass the torch, somebody got to replace them. And somebody got to replace the next guy. That's up the line. That's how we get guys down. Uh, get guys in the game, man. Get some of these younger coaches in the game. Because some of these older coaches, they doing older tactics and older things. And the game then passed you by. The game then passed you by. So get some of these younger coaches in the game. So another thing I wanted to talk about is why some of these college basketball coaches, why they stuck, why they stuck in college? Why don't they want to be in the NBA? Well, they don't want to go to the NBA because... 
Chances are, if you go to the NBA, it's going to be a bad team, first off. Second off, it's going to be a bad job. And you can very well only last a, a year. Look at John Beeline. John Beeline been coaching forever. He was at Michigan forever long, and he could have been there his whole life. But then he decided to go to Cleveland, and he don't even make a full season. Now he goes from a head coach to the NBA team to the player of basketball operations for the Pistons, which probably should be somebody else's job, not somebody that's in their 60s. I'm really going to learn the game, an NBA game for somebody from 60. They're going to be like, man, yeah, right. But it could work. It could be a lot of jump shot pivoting going on. But, you know, it is what it is. So why don't some of these college coaches, why, why are they still in college? Why are they not in the NBA? Well, they're not in the NBA because they're making the same amount of money. They're making the same amount of money. The top 10 coaches in the NBA and the top 10 coaches in college basketball make the same amount of money. The best coach in, in the NBA right now makes $11 million per year. The best coach in college, which was Coach K, was making $10 million per year. So if I'm Coach K, why would I want to go and coach the Lakers? For what? I make the same money here in college, and I make more than the players. So they'll listen to me. I said to get the guidelines, and they listen to me. Where in the NBA, it's not always the case. The superstars got the biggest voice. So if AD wanted to play the other night with a torn groin or a bad injury or whatnot, he playing. The bottom line, he playing. There's no way Frank Vogel be like, I'm sorry, AD, you ain't playing. AD going to be like, yeah, right, dog. I make $35 million per year. You don't even make $10 million per year. If I'm playing, you playing me. And ain't nothing he can do about it except be like, all right, well, make sure you clear by the doctors. I mean, that's what, the way it is in the NBA. In college, it's a little bit different. So who are the top 10 page coaches in the NBA? Just in case you didn't know. Dwayne Casey is at 10 with the Pistons. Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan is with the Bulls. Uh, Tyron Lue with the Clippers. He's at seven. Scott Brooks is with the Wizards. Uh, he's at six. Carlisle is at five with the Mavericks. Nick Nurse with the uh, Raptors is at five. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is at four. He's the fourth highest paid coach in the NBA. Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, the third highest paid coach in the NBA. Steve Nash is the second highest paid coach. And Greg Popovich is the highest paid coach in the NBA. And he's 72 years old, so somebody going to have to replace him. So one of these guys on this list, oh, hopefully, is Becky Hammond. We've been talking about that. It's time for Becky Hammond to get a job. We've talked about that before on this podcast. Women can coach men, too. Trust me, they can. If men can coach women, look at, look at all the men that's coaching women's basketball. Why can't women coach men? The game is the game. But she can, not only can she coach, she can coach, though. So I, this, she ain't no average She's a great basketball mind and hopefully Pop retires and she gets the job. So those are the top 10 coaches in the NBA and they make anywhere between $6 million and $11 million. The top 10 coaches in college basketball, they make about the same amount of money. Buzz Williams is at 10. He makes 4.8. Bruce Pearl, he's 61. He makes $3.9 million per year. Tom Izzo makes $4 million per year. Rick Barnes, $4.7 million per year at Tennessee. Chris Beard, Chris Beard, talked about him earlier at Texas, makes 4.9. Jay Wright gets $6 million per year. Coach K, so Coach K, even though he's taking the year off, he makes $8 million per year. And the top paid coach in college basketball is Coach Cal at $8.5 million per year. So we're not talking... We talk about salary and all of that. So why would Coach Cal want to go to the NBA? But here's, here's what I'm thinking. You know, I've always had the idea that Coach Cal, uh, at some time, he's going to get tired of coaching the, coaching the kids. And he's going to want to coach some grown men. And he's got enough players in the NBA when I'm just scoring 47 points. 
he got enough players in the NBA where he can go to the New York Knicks and he can say, okay, all right, Derrick Rose, Julius Randle, let's try to get Devin Booker over here. Let's try to get Cat over here. And let's make a, make a run at this thing. That's just, you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's a far reach. Trust me, I know it's a reach. But I think at some point, Coach Cal, and it's not going to be about money. I think it's going to be about, do I really want to coach 19-year-olds? Or would I rather coach a guy that's 25 to 30, who I've already coached before, who have already put me at a pedestal? They've already put me there. You know, Coach Cal, he might do it. That's just what I think, what he might do. Um, but yeah, so why would a college coach want to go to the NBA if you're making the same amount of money? If you're Jawan Howard, if you're Jawan Howard at Michigan, because he's on this list too. Um, if you're Jawan Howard and you're making three and a half million dollars per year, oh, because I think he's not top 10, he's like 11 or 12. If he's making three and a half million per year, uh, 12 million total in the next four years, why would he want to go and coach the NBA when you can make the same amount of money coaching college and create a dynasty? What he's trying to do is create a dynasty. He's trying to be the black Coach K. I'm telling you right now, he's trying to be the light-skinned Coach K. You know, not really like Coach K, but he's trying to be best in the game. He recruiting best players, the top players, and he winning. Next, he might win it all next year. He might win a national championship next year and still be at Michigan long enough to get the Fab Five retired and them jerseys back up because, because that should happen. That should definitely happen. So college coaches do not want to go and coach in the NBA. And while we're talking about the NBA, let's talk about Danny Ainge retiring and Brad Stevens just replacing him. A lot of people have some, some things to say about Brad Stevens, um, you know, just not necessarily quitting, but taking over the basketball, director of basketball operations for the Celtics. Danny Ainge basically said he couldn't really get in touch with the, 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 key, the age of the, of the players anymore. So he just resigned. So you know what? It's not for me. But he's made plenty of money in the NBA. He's made plenty of money as an executive. He could go kick his feet up somewhere. Yes, he can. He could chill. He could relax. Brad Stevens takes his replacement. But to say Brad Stevens failed in Boston is a bad take. To say that he failed is wrong because he didn't fail. He still won, he still won a lot of basketball games. He won more than half of his games in Boston. Went to the Eastern Conference Finals. So either the Finals or the Semifinals, one of those two. So, I mean, he had some good teams. He just didn't win a title. Let's just keep it a buck. His relationship with Gordon Hayward probably strayed on the player some. And when you're a young coach and you got one of your former players and you bring him back and you try to make him the guy and he ain't really the guy like that anymore, not like he was in Utah, and even though he had an injury, he wasn't the same, um, I'm pretty sure there were some Celtics that didn't really like that. Um, and when you're in the NBA and you're making more money than a head coach, you don't necessarily have to voice your opinion for your opinion to be heard. Play that back. Just you feel me, right? Because they make more money. So he wasn't a failure in Boston. He just could never really turn the corner. He never could really win the chip. And it's not really his fault. I mean, for this year, Jalen Brown getting hurt, that was an issue for them. Uh, they didn't get the production inside that they needed. Tristan Thompson ain't it. Uh, Daniel Theus, even though he had an injury, he ain't it. So they had some problems in the interior, and I've been talking about that for a while. But Kimball Walker, I mean, he was very up and down this year. So you need high-level Kimball. You need the Charlotte Kimball. But I don't know if he could do that in Boston anymore. And look, Brad Stevens took the fall for it. I saw the one meme that said that Kimball wouldn't end uh, Brad Stevens' career twice. <laughs> 
Because that's who UConn beat in for the national championship. But you know, you know how that is. Uh, so I, I think Brad Stevens' run in Boston was kind of short-lived. I think he could have won another couple years. Uh, with, with a healthy Jalen Brown, they still would have been in the mix. But hey, you know what? He's young enough. He in his 40s. So he's young enough. He could be ops for 10 years and they say, you know what? I think I want to coach again. And he could be 55 like Bird and, you know, take a, a team to the NBA Finals. Who knows? Uh, but I'm telling you right now, he's not going to be basketball player operations for long. That's it. He's just going to take the right job. He's going to take his time say, you know what? Let me just take this admin position. It's a lot of pressure. You know, people talking about me taking every college basketball job in America. I just want to coach my team. And right now, he could just be an executive, be in the background somewhere so you can forget about him. And then, boom, five years, he pop up somewhere. And then now he's a head coach. But maybe he doesn't want to be a head coach. Who knows? I mean, for a guy that's been in college basketball, national championship two years in a row, to be with the Boston Celtics and to reach the playoffs and make however many millions of dollars, maybe he want to chill out. Maybe he want to relax and have some more babies. I don't know. That could very well be the case. But... He didn't fail in Boston. So I don't. I, I want to know who's the next coach in Boston here. I think you got one hire and one hire only. I think the next coach at Boston for the Celtics should be Jason Kidd. And the reason why I think it should be Jason Kidd is because Jason Kidd can manage high-level players because he was a high-level player in the NBA. Like I said, this generation of players, they want to hear from players. They don't want to hear from Brad Stevens. They ain't never played in the NBA, man. Get what you're talking about. I, I like your ATOs. They nice. But my man, I got to figure out how to guard Jason, you know, the best of the best. How you going to make me better? I'm Jason Tatum. How can I take the next level? How can I be one of the all-time greats? I'm supposed to listen to a guy who ain't never played in NBA? guy like Jason Kidd to say, you know what? Not only did I play in the NBA, I'm one of the best point guards ever. So, Kimber Walker, what I'm going to tell you is, if you don't learn how to pass the ball, this ain't the offense for you. If you're going to be shooting on them threes, you better be shooting 40%. And he can have a player-to-player -player conversation with some of these top, top players for the Celtics and let them know, hey, man, what you're doing ain't it. And I'll go get somebody else, too. So I think Jason Kidd is a right fit for Boston because they have a young player. They have young players that can take the next level. Jason Tatum could be one of the best players in the NBA. He, I mean, he is right now one of the best players in the NBA. But how does he take the, the elite status? How does he get first team all NBA? How does he take that step? And he's going to need a coach like Jason Kidd to help him take that step. Not just being a good player, but being one of the greatest. And sitting down with one of the greatest point guards ever is a huge advantage. So I think the next hire should be Jason Kidd. But I don't know if Boston will accept him or not. I mean, who knows? We'll see. Speaking of coaches... I'm going to get off the NBA here for a little bit, talk some high school, some JUCO, some college. Uh, Carlos McMath. Carlos McMath gets the job at school. Crab hats off to him. Um, I think he'll do a good job there. That, that hire makes sense. Carlos McMath to school. Craft makes sense. He's coasting the conference before. He has ties to uh, Detroit, Flint, Saginaw area. So he'll be able to get some players. My whole issue with school craft is the administration. And hopefully with him getting the job in the building, they don't give him a hassle like they gave the last two coaches at Schoolcraft. Because Schoolcraft is a spot where if you get the right players, you can get it rolling and you can win very fast. But if you don't have the support of the administration, hopefully he does. Uh, because it, it, it looked like the administration didn't want the team to do well in the last three or four years because they didn't really agree with the coaches. 
So now that they, they got their coach, hopefully they support him and not backstab him and tell him a player is ineligible 40 days after he was uh, declared ineligible, after he was dropped from a class. But y'all didn't hear that from me. So the hire for McNabb makes sense. I just hope the administration change, changes some of the things that they do. And they let the coaches coach, man. They let them coach and they get out the way. My, my main thing now with administrators getting in the way is give the coaches the keys and let them drive the car. You ain't got to get in the car and be a passenger. You ain't got to be the backstreet driver. ADs, get out the way. Administrators, assistant principals, get out the way. Let these coaches coach. And I'm talking about every level, high school, college. Get out the way. Let the coaches coach. Give them the keys and let them do what they think. Wave to them goodbye. Text me when you get home. But I don't need to be there for the drive. Talk a little bit of high school here. Uh, BCAM, one of the things that BCAM, I've talked about them, is what kind of offers do they offer coaches here in Michigan besides just having a vote for Mr. and Miss Basketball? Well, this year, they're offering a team camp. Not just a team camp, but a team camp that's NCAA certified that college coaches can go to. So on June 19th at Grand Valley State University, you're going to have some of the top teams in the state competing in this team camp. And I think it's a great idea. I think it's one of those things where they're finally offering something to a BCAM member. Because this is if you weren't a BCAM member, you weren't invited. So if you had a really good team, but your coach wasn't a BCAM member, you didn't get invited. So hopefully it's a pitch for more coaches to become BCAM members so they can get invited to this event. The one thing that I would like to see maybe next year is what about all the small schools? You get out, you got all the big schools. What about the Division Three schools, the Division Four schools? Because though they got some players too. I'm telling you right now, Schoolcraft got some players. Pennyfield got some players. Uh, Wyoming Triunity Christian, they just won a state championship. Why can't those schools be in the team camp too? So maybe you have two days of it, but hey, you know, don't take my ideas or nothing. Who am I? I'm just a podcast host. So some of the teams that are going to be at this team camp at Grand Valley State on June 19th, uh, Brother Rice, Grand Blank, Orchard Lake St. Mary's, Ferndale, UAD, Muskegon, uh, Beecher King, Cass, Hamtramck, E-Course, uh, Farmington, Persian, West Bloomfield, Flint Carmen Ainsworth, Benton Harbor. I'm not naming all the teams. I'm just naming a few. Detroit Edison, uh, Ann Arbor Huron, and North Farmington. Those are some of the schools that will be there. And I think it's going to be a high-level event with a bunch of high-level players. Um, Hopefully, I get an opportunity to attend so uh, Mitten Recruit can be on board and re reporting and let you guys know how some of these players and teams are playing. And I think it's going to be a great look. Actually, I think that date, I'm going to be at a team camp myself with my team. So, uh, But we're going to let you know how the teams do, so you ain't got to worry about that. Horatio Williams has a shootout June 24th and 25th at Detroit Edison. And these are the teams that's going to be at his event. It's going to be a really good event. And these are team camps. So this year, the college coaches can go to team camps. And the reason why the NCAA comes out and says, uh, now you can have two extra people on your staff that are non-basketball people that can do basketball things on the floor is so that you get more coaches out to recruit some of these team camps because they ain't been out in a year. And there's a lot of places and a lot of uh, events that they can go to. So they don't really need to be on campus. That's what your skill guys is for. That's what your athletic strength trainers are for. Get them in the lab with them and you hit the road. But Horatio Williams has a shootout. Uh, it's going to be at Debson, so of course they're in it. Muskegon, Flint Beecher, Kalamazoo Central, East Lansing, Warren D. LaSalle, King, Detroit Persian, UAD, Benton Harbor, Romulus Summit Academy, 
are going to be the teams that are at that event. And the thing about uh, the summer and June, June is for high school. So if you are a travel basketball coach in the state of Michigan, you coach all April, you coach all May, but June, you hands off, man. You give your players back to their high school coach. That's usually what happens. Hopefully your high school coach has a schedule and you're going to camps because a lot of things for you to do. So normally AAU takes a back seat in June and I love it because the coaches are hands on. Now you get to see a player play with this team. You can see what kind of teammate he is. You get to see what type of player he is for his coach. Is he respectful to his coach? Does he run to the bench? Does he pick guys up off the floor? You get to see that with his team. So uh, you also have summer leagues that start next week. And DC, DC stands for Derek Coleman. And a lot of people really don't like Derek Coleman, but I'm cool. I'm cool with Derek Coleman, man, because he's giving back to the city. You know, some of these pros, some of these guys that have made millions of dollars uh, playing for franchises in the NBA, and they ain't never came back and did nothing in the city. Nothing in the city. So I respect D.C. to say, you know what? I've been here for 20 years, and I've been grinding with my own, man. I done built, I done built parks. I done built stores. I done, helped, I done helped restore neighborhoods. And now I got the summer league jumping. His summer league is jumping, man. I'm telling you, it's one of the best summer leagues around. And it starts Monday. And you got a full slate of games on Monday. They playing at Birmingham Groves High School. They got two courts going. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but on the first day on Monday, the 7th, got some really high-level games. You got Detroit Renaissance and Edison jumping off. Four, four o'clock, court one. You, you got... Uh, U Prep is playing West Bloomfield at five. Gross Point South is playing Henry Ford at six. Cast Tech is playing Port Huron North at seven. Then at eight o'clock, eight o'clock the night the nightcap you got King and Ham Tramit. So you get it's a great league. You get great competition, and this is what the Saint used to be, man. The Saint. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Saint Cecilia, uh, right there on Livernois in '96. I mean, some of the best summer basketball was played at the Saint. You didn't have summer leagues. You played at the Saint. It wasn't even called a summer league. You played at the Saint. Pros played at the Saint. The best college players played at the Saint. The best high school players played at the Saint. So if you haven't coached or played at the Saint, well, actually, there are probably a group of players now that probably have it because they ain't did nothing in the last five, six, seven years. You know, I used to take my team to the Saint, and that was used to be the best thing going. You used to have to sweat. You was going to sweat your tail off. But guess what? It wasn't a better environment for basketball here in the city. But now we have more gyms. We have opportunities to have summer leagues like D.C. is putting on. And I think this is great for high school basketball because you get a chance to see players play in their high school element. It was different from AAU and travel hoops. And you get to see them be coached. You get to see them play against other players that you might not have seen or heard before. So this summer league is going to be very, very good. But it's your coach. That knows hoops the most, man. If you think, if you thought I was done with this episode, you got another thing coming. Because you know I got to talk about the NBA, man. I got to talk about the best league in basketball because we got the NBA uh, popping off. And I watch more NBA than I probably should. And it's not because of FanDuel. It's just because I love basketball, man. So I don't care what kind of basketball. If college is on right now, I'm watching college. If the NBA is on right now, I'm watching NBA. When there's a lapse, I'm watching the big three. Or I'm off on the road. I'm playing with my boys. I'm going to be involved in basketball in some kind of capacity forever. My ball will never stop bouncing. I love the game of basketball. So if the NBA is on in the playoffs, I'm watching it. I don't care what people think about the NBA. I love it. Because I love basketball. And I love my fan dude. Man, I need to hit bad. But anyway, uh, so you got the, the NBA playoffs going off. And just a recap 
of what we talked about last week when we talked about the NBA playoffs, some of these things did happen. So we talked about uh, Utah and Utah lost the first game to Memphis. And we said, man, Donovan Mitchell got to pull up. And boy, did he pull up. Oh, man. He, he, what, what's the, uh, the future song? Pull up, hop out. Yeah, he did all of that, man. Oh, man, Spider went to work. And we're going to talk about Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell and some of the young stars in the NBA later on in the podcast. Man, it's 35 minutes in later on, my 10, 15 minutes from now. But hey, y'all, y'all in for the ride. Y'all with me. Hear me out. They had to play Donovan Mitchell and they did and they won four games in a row. So hopefully he's he's back from his injury. They don't have to sit him down anymore because they are a very different team without Donovan Mitchell. Uh Brooklyn was just too much for Boston. We said that on the last podcast, and it was true because Boston won 4-1. Even though Tatum dropped the 50 ball, it still was just too – Boston – BK had too much. He got three guys that could get 90 points. Like, that's not even fair. Um, Phoenix in L.A. So, Phoenix got it done, man. And we said that AD and LeBron had to play at a very high level, and they didn't. Let's just be honest. AD and LeBron didn't play at a very high level. And, and for LeBron, in his stage of his career, he's 38 years old. He's played 18 years in the NBA. He, doesn't, he shouldn't have to score 35 points, get 12 rebounds, and get 11 assists. He shouldn't have to do that at this level of his career. He should be able to have the pieces around him in LA. The, I mean, the best big budget city there is. And, you know, the palm trees and all that. You can't get guys to perform in LA? Well, it might be time to hang it up. You know, AD trying to come back with the groin injury, like, and we're going to talk about what, what Booker did to them boys. We're we going to talk about that real soon because that boy is real, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, AD was hurt. They lost. Phoenix was the better team. Phoenix was the better team. And we, we said on the podcast that AD and LeBron had to play at a high level for them to win, and that didn't happen. Phoenix moves on four games to two. In the Milwaukee-Miami um, series, we, all, we said the Bucs was too much. That was right. That was a sweep. Denver and Portland, we said it went. It would go seven games, it went six games, and we said it wasn't about the stars, and it wasn't. It was about the support guys. I mean, Monte Morris had 28 in one game. Monte Morris come off the bench. Uh, and CJ, man, CJ McCullum, he's going to have to get back to the lab. I know he was injured. He's going to have to get back to the lab because Dame Dollar can't be scoring 55, and you call them clutch, and they lose. I mean, nobody talks about Devin Booker dropping 70. You want to know why? Because they lost the game. So to me, you can't score like that and be considered clutch if you lose. If you win, yeah, that's clutch. I mean, that's clutch. So a lot of people want to say Damian Lillard is the clutchest player in the NBA. No, he's not. They didn't win the game. Now, if they had won the game, oh, yeah, he clutched for sure. Brought him back, put him on his back, made 12 threes, and they won the game. So what does that say about Portland? Does he need more help? He's getting paid a lot of money to play in Portland. So CJ McCullough, man, you're going to have to raise your level to, to be where Dame is at. To be 25, 30 every, single, every time you step on the floor or you're going to have, you know, playoff series like this where you don't get out the first round. Washington and Philly. We said uh, Philly was too much for Washington and that was the case. Washington could only win one game. Uh, Westbrook didn't have a great series. Uh, we, we, we sent his praises last week and he just he just wasn't the same. Uh, Bradley Bill got, went to work. But Philly, I mean... They should beat Washington with or without Embiid, and they did so four games to one. Atlanta and New York was a very interesting series. We said that game three 
would be the makeup game for them. It would The series would go one way or the other. The series was tied 1-1, and then Atlanta wins game three, and they go on to win game four, and then they go on to win game five, and they say, bye, haters. Bye, Nicker, Knickerbockers. See you later, Spike. Leave the gym early. That, that man's name is Trey Young. That, that man's name is Trey Young. You better hear it out right now. And the, the Boston fans, I mean, not the Boston fans, the, uh, the New York fans, Tried to get on him. They tried. They spit on him. They disrespected him. And guess what? He making threes at the logo. Like, yeah, it's my time. And he's right. And for New York going forward, you're gonna have to put Julius Randle at the at the pinch post. He's trying to be a guard, man. You ain't a guard, dog. You're not a guard. He averaged 18 points in 11 games this series for the season. He was 24 and 10. So he was at a minus six. Like he averaged in 24. He only giving you 18. Like, Derrick Rose can only give you 20 points one or two games. He shouldn't have to do it every single game. Like I said, Alex Burks can't be your leading scorer. That happened in this series. And they never could get a hold for Trey Young because he went crazy on these boys. So that was the last series that we talked about. Some of the NBA topics that I want to discuss on this pod, because that's what we do, man. We talking hoops with Coach Cam. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. And I'm going to tell you like this. Devin Booker won that series. I don't want to talk about LeBron and his legacy. I don't want to talk about what the Lakers did wrong, why AD tried to come back and hurt. I don't want to hear none of that. I want to hear about Devin Booker. And I want to know why he's been averaging 25 points per game the last four years and nobody in the NBA seems to notice. Devin Booker, is he's only been in the league five seasons. Four of those seasons, five or six seasons, four, four of those seasons, He's been at 25 points per game. He averaged 29.7 this year, close to 30. Why we not talk about Devin Booker? Devin Booker carved up the Lakers, carved them up. They had no matchup for Devin Booker, not a single one. They couldn't put KCP on him. They couldn't put LeBron on him, of course. They couldn't put Schroeder on him. He was shredding Schroeder, and he did everything off of two feet. It's efficient. He's like a guard's version of Tim Duncan. That's who Devin Booker is. I don't want to say he's Kobe because rest in peace, Kobe, he's one and one. There ain't another Kobe. But his game is so efficient and he moves very well with the ball. He's tight off of ball screens, plays off of two feet. Would like to see him shoot the three ball at a higher level. You know, you know some people that I know, hit him up. We can get in the gym. He need to be a 40% shooter in the league now. We got, But I mean, the last game, what he made? Five threes? Five threes, 47 points? I mean, he he just he he dominated. He dominated. He had 30, 30 or more in three games of the series. So he dominated. He did what he was supposed to do. Now the thing about the Phoenix Suns, as the others came to play, Jay Crowder was making shots. Campaign, even though he don't like passing the ball, he was making shots. DeAndre Ayton was a double double, getting blocks, getting rebounds, playing his role. You wasn't seeing. DeAndre Ayton shooting threes or trying to be a guard. He rim ran, rim run, I'm going to rebound, and I'm going to block shots. That's what I'm going to do. But DeAndre Ayton, he can, him and Booker can be there for a while. And going into my next topic, uh, hopefully Phoenix Phoenix got Devin Booker for cheap. He make a 29 mil a year. 29 mil a year. He's 24, makes 29 mil a year. You know, Dame at 35. You know, you got guys at 40 like LeBron. 
Phoenix might have to re-up and say, you know what, let's renegotiate this contract. Let's get you here for the next eight years and let's pay you $40, $45 million a year. He's that type of player, man. He's a franchise player. And why, why do they always want to peg you into a small market? They say, oh, Phoenix is a small market. You can't win there. Well, why can't you? Golden State wasn't a big market before Clay and Curry got KD. That wasn't a big market, but they won three titles. It could be done. Detroit won two titles. That's a small market. Miami, they try to make Miami a big target, a big budget, but it's not. They not a big market. They just got LeBron and D-Wade and, and, and Bosh. They got lucky. They on South Beach. Who turning that down? But every year you want to hear about LA. You want to hear about New York. You ain't got to go to those two places to win an NBA championship. You don't. You can be in a small market. You can be in Phoenix and dominate. So what's going to happen is if Devin Booker was smart, he'll say, listen, I'll re-up my contract. Let's say pay me 35. That's an extra $6 million. Pay me 35, 34, and let's get another stud in here. Give me another stud. Give me somebody or give me two or three guys that we could pay to really make this roster great where we can make a run. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Phoenix, right? The West is up for grabs. The West is up. Your, your traditional teams that normally win the West, the Warriors ain't there. They can't win it. The Spurs, they ain't there. They can't win it. The Lakers, they can't win it. The Clippers, they on their way out probably too. So there's a team in the West that could probably win it that's probably never won it before. And that's going to be fun to watch because what we're watching, what we're witnessing right now is the NBA takeover. You don't like it. You want LeBron in the playoffs. Sorry. Sit down. The King got to sit down. He's 38. He's been playing 18 years. He got to sit this one out. AD, sorry, you got to sit this one out. Jimmy Butler, sorry, you got to sit this one out. This is for the young dogs. This is for the guys in the 20s. They taking over the league. We're watching the league take over. We're watching the, the, the transformation of the NBA. It's a young man's game. The young players are taking over. The older guys, I'm sorry, but it's time. Your time is done. Paul George, you went to Sonoma. You and Kawhi, sorry, not, not your time. It's Luka. It's Luka time. It's Luka time now. These are some of the guys that are still in the playoffs that are young guys in the league that are going to take over in the next five or 10 years. Let's start with Devin Booker. Devin Booker's 24 years old. He's with the Suns. Suns ain't never won an uh, NBA championship. If they, had, they did, it was in the 70s, and we forgot about it. Trey Young, he's 21 years old, but that boy can ball. He's with Atlanta. Atlanta's in the, the semifinals out east. Luka Doncic, he's 21. He Man, he's cutting up the Clippers. He cutting them up. Don't know. Kawhi don't want no smoke. I thought Kawhi Winter was a great two-way player. He can't shut down Luka. He can't guard Luka. I don't know. You would think on paper that Kawhi Leonard would be a great matchup for, for, for Luka, but he don't want no parts of that. That man is incredible right now. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's just 26. He's a two-time MVP, and he's just 26. So he can run in the league in the next seven, eight, nine years. With the Bucks, Donovan Mitchell, he's 24. I've been talking about age a lot this, this podcast, but I think it's, it's a fitting because what we're watching and what we refuse to understand is that the game is going to change. And you still got these older coaches, these older players, they need to realize it's not your time, dog. It's not your time. It's the young dude's time right now. Nikolai Jokic, he's 26. Uh, Joel Embiid, he's 27. 
Kyrie is right there. He's on the upper end of it. He's 29. Him and Kawhi Leonard, they're 29. But I want to talk about the guys, the Devin Bookers, the Trey Youngs, the Luka Doncic, them guys taking over the NBA. And one of them three guys going to win the NBA championship in the next two years. Devin Booker, Trey Young, or Luka, one of them three, in the next two years, they're going to win them a title. They better win a title because they got all the tools. They just not in a big market. But to me, Atlanta is a big market. It is. They just ain't had the teams there. They ain't never won an NBA championship, but with the, with the young talent that they got, man, they could be dangerous. They could be dangerous the next couple years. The Suns, they put a couple more guys, uh, they put a run together this year, and they might be able to pull it out this year. You know, who knows? Dallas might be able to make a run after they beat the Clippers. I just don't think the Clippers is going to beat them because they got no answer for Luka. Luka going crazy. But Utah, you might look up and see Utah and Milwaukee in the NBA Finals. And you might not want to watch it, but you're, going to see, you're seeing the transfer of the guards. So Curry better hurry up. He better get his guns loaded. He better be full-fledged next season because after this, their run might be done. And not just them. The Lakers' run might be done. And it's time for the young men to take over. Now, what might end up happening is you might see the Brooklyn Nets that all of a sudden nobody want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets no more. You might see them make a, make a Warriors type of run where they win two or three championships because they just got the matchups that can't nobody guard. You can't guard KD. You can't guard Kyrie. You can't guard James Harden. Who going to guard them guys? So what you might be watching is this is how the Brooklyn Nets, they, they built their dynasty because this is what they wanted to do. This is what they do. And the opportunity is right there. It's right there for the getting. And I think the Nets, I think the Nets win the, the NBA championship. I think they do. Because they just got too much. Philly is going to get them a fight, but Embiid is hurt. The Bucs, man, that's going to be a great series. You're looking at the Bucs in Milwaukee, and they play Brooklyn. That's going to be a great series. You talk about a six or seven game series, but I think the Nets, this is it's, this their time. It's their time. They got guys that's 29, um, KD's 32, and Harden is 31. So if they want to make a run, this is the time to make it right now. If they want to make a two or three year run, they need to do it now because Booker and these young boys, they coming. The young boys is coming because it's a young man's game. But it's your coach that knows who's the most, man. I know you don't want to be tied up with me. Listen to a long podcast over an hour long. I kept it at about 50 minutes this week. Uh, Could have went longer, but I said, you know what? Let me just kind of shut it down a little bit because I know how y'all are about the NBA and all of that. You don't want to hear that. But, you know, it is what it is. We still going to talk hoops regardless. But it's your coach that knows who's the most, man. And I'm going to holler at y'all on this one, man. Peace. It's your coach.